grab it and turn to the book of John chapter 13. Uh, that's where we're going to be. I'd encourage you to grab a Bible or perhaps you've got a smartphone. Uh, pull it up so you can read along with me just so you know I ain't making none of this stuff up. Um, again, welcome uh, to Refuge. I'm glad that you guys are here with us this morning. Uh, if you are new with us, uh, thanks for being here with us. We'll get an opportunity at the end of the service to, uh, to greet you and um, you fill out a connect card later and, and we'd love to do that. So this morning, uh, this is going to be quite the shift um, from where we have been over the past uh, long time. We've been in this series for since April, going through the book of John. And uh, now we're going to see a, a dramatic shift in the story where we have seen Jesus over the past 12 chapters uh, ministering to people, performing miracles to the people. Really, it's the, the pu public ministry of Jesus. And y'all remember last week, uh, he just tells them like flat out, like, uh, this is your last call. Like, you don't believe me now, then, then you're about to walk in darkness eternally. Okay? Now, now last week, I, I wasn't feeling at my best, and I preached 20 minutes. Uh, that's only happened never, <laughs> except last week. So I could promise you this morning, it ain't going to happen again. So if you were like, like giddy, like, Matthew's turning a new leaf. He's going to preach 20 minutes. Boy, sit down. All right, ain't nobody got time for no 20-minute sermon, except for I'm like really, really sick. So anyway, so this is where Jesus is about to go into possibly the longest teaching that we have recorded of Jesus. You can call it sermon, is a long discourse that Jesus is going to give his disciples. And really, it's going to be very encouraging for us. Like, how many of you can use some encouragement this morning? Amen? Just a couple of us are with me this morning. The rest of you must be just floating on a cloud of Shekinah glory this morning. But I could use some encouragement. This is what Jesus is going to do over the next few weeks. He's going to encourage his disciples. He's going to talk a lot about this word that has been lost in our culture today about love. In fact, that word is going to be used over 30 times in the next just three or four chapters that Jesus is going to be talking about and teaching. In fact, here's what I would suggest that Jesus is kind of drawing out and what he's presenting to us as the church and his 12 disciples right here in the upper room is that Jesus is kind of reinforcing or kind of reminding them or giving them the values of the Christian life. You're going to find out subtly Jesus is giving them like, what's it mean to follow me? What's it mean to be a Christ follower? Like this is going to be very applicable for us as a church. And I think it's good for us even as a church to be reminded, like, why are we here? Why do we exist? Why are we a church? What is the church supposed to do? Like we got a lot of new faces. We've had a lot of people uh, leave our church and move away, and that's okay because it's good that we are going to be reminded for some of us who haven't been here a long time of what makes up Refuge Point. What makes up the church? What is God's mission? What is God's values when it comes to his church? And we're going to see a lot of that on display over the next few weeks, and it's going to be very good for us to be reminded of why we do what we do. Why do we serve the community? Why do we love each other? Or why we should be loving each other? Okay? All right, just, just seeing, just seeing. So John chapter 13, we're going to pick it up in verse 4. We're going to go 20 verses. All right, so y'all hang tight. 
no, this will not be a 20-minute sermon again. Just got to say that one more time. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. I love how the evangelist John loves to throw Judas under the bus any chance he gets. Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, took a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. So Peter said to him, well, you shall never wash my feet. If I do not wash you, Jesus said, you have no share in me. And so Peter, as Peter do, said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head, like water bore me, Jesus. Jesus said to him, the, only, the, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was about to betray him. That was why he said, not all y'all are clean. When he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet and you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. Who who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives, my, receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. That's the reading of God's word. Now, let me, uh, let me just kind of flesh a lot of this out because there's a lot of text, all right? And what you're going to see here and the way that Jesus is going to give his disciples this way in which they reach the world, this way in which this is how Jesus' method is going to go in order for the disciples to go out and reach others. I find two things here, and one thing that we'll be discussing a lot about in the next few weeks is service and love. How do we continue to reach people in our community? Jesus gives us a resounding answer. Serve, love, and here's how you do it. So contextually, what Jesus is doing here is he is contradicting all of American leadership styles. Because what our culture says to you in leadership is that you have to ascend, you have to climb this corporate ladder, you have to, you have to push out whoever is in your way just in order for you to reach the top of life. That's what culture has infused within us today is a very self exalting way of doing things. It's all about you, 
It's about self-glory. It's about how you can achieve more. It's about being a social media influencer. I just got to get more followers and more followers. It's about how you can climb to the top of the ladder. And Jesus is going all countercultural in this. And he's like, if you want to do something great, I'm about to show you how I do this. And it's not about climbing high. It's not about uh, how you could achieve more in life. It's about, it's about something different. It's about descending and getting on down in the dirt with these jokers. This is how you are great in the kingdom of God. This is how you are going to achieve what I am going to commission you with, disciples. This is how you will fulfill the purpose in which I am giving you. It is not by you gaining power uh, among the authorities or power among the Romans' eyes. Here's how you'll do it. You ready? You'll serve. And you'll get down in the dirt to do it. Now, here's what is contextually happening here. It would not be a stretch to say that they had been probably walking quite some time to get to this upper room. And the roads were not paved with asphalt back in this day. Okay? The roads, roads were paved with dirt, mud, and dung. <laughs> so imagine trying to high-step some of this stuff. By the time you get to where you're going, your feet, they're going to be just a little dirty. Okay? They're going to be a little dirty. And what happens in this culture was that there was a servant who was there ready to welcome in the guests by washing their feet because they had open-toe shoes. They didn't have your kicks that you got on right now. I mean, some of you may be wearing flip-flops. It is going to be like 90 degrees today. <laughs> so they had this servant who was there ready to wash these people's feet. Now, even in this culture, even the rabbi's disciples weren't low enough to wash the feet of people as they came in. No, this was reserved specifically for the slave of the slave, so to speak. Like you are, you are the nothing in the crop if you were the person that had to wash the dirty and nasty feet. And so Jesus does something that is so counterculture here. And I want you to notice something about how Jesus does this and the position that Jesus takes that deserves our attention in this text. Jesus gets down and he stoops to where they are. This is the position that Jesus takes. That he washes their feet picks up this towel and he begins to wash why does he do this why does jesus have to get down on the ground and stoop to where they are well he does that to cleanse them imagine if and this is a beautiful picture of the gospel by the way imagine if god is at the top of the highest mountain and the only way to get to where he is is to climb up to where he is. Let me give you a little spoiler alert. None of you would make it. Imagine if God is up in the heavens and his call for us is to, you have to come up to where I am. You've got to do 
by your own achievements and your successes to try to make your way up to where I am. Here's the reality of that. None of us would be good enough to ascend to where God would be. So see the beauty of the gospel that Jesus is foreshadowing here. Jesus doesn't tell his disciples, you've got to climb up to where I am. You've got to achieve more in life. You've got to do your best. You've got to live your best life now in order to gain to where I'm at. Notice what Jesus does. He gets down and he stoops to their level. That's so counter every religion that's out there. That counters every cult, every religion that's out there that says that you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to achieve this. And the more successful you are in life, the better your end result will be. And the gospel is counter that because the gospel, God descends to where we are. Jesus comes down and he's giving you this beautiful picture of the gospel. For Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to show you how to have greatness in life. I'm going to show you how you can have your best life. <laughs> you're going to get dirty. And you're going to serve. And if you want to find fulfillment, if you want to find joy in this life, then you're going to stoop to the dirty people. You're going to stoop and wash feet. Now, I'm not advocating for us to start wa feet washing up in here. Hey, never one of y'all want to wash my feet. That's nasty. And, and hear me very carefully. Unless you're my child or my wife, I ain't touching your feet either. I don't love you that much. I mean, I love you, but we ain't on that level. Right? And I don't really touch my kids' feet because they're nasty too. Except for Ezra because he's two and he can't, you know. Help me, God. Man, you, could you imagine the scene in this? Just like think about this with all calmness. I'm sure everybody's like, who's going to wash our feet? Like, you, like, it should have been a cue for one of them to get up and do this. After all they've heard Jesus say, after all they've seen Jesus do, you would think that one of these numbskulls would get up and do this. But they just miss it. So imagine them seeing Jesus Christ, like, taking off his outer robe, like, just dressing down to where he looks like a slave tying that towel around his waist could you imagine how they felt like when jesus grabs the pitcher and when jesus grabs the bowl could you imagine like like if i'm if i'm in that room i'm like ooh, why is he doing this like it should have been me i should have done this like i, I always miss cues anyway like i'm i'm notorious for like missing a cue i mean probably the reason why this is the reason why we don't put a big emphasis on production here in this church, because we're going to miss a cue. We're going to miss a social cue. We're going to miss something. And part of that's going to be my fault. Even in my own life, like, I'm just going to miss a cue. Like, and I, and I get these disciples, but could you imagine the daggers they must have felt in their heart? Like, why is Jesus doing this? Like, surely all of them probably looking at Judas, like, Judas, this should have been you, bro. Like, come on, man. Should have been one of you fools. But they just completely miss it. So imagine, like, the tension this is creating in this room. When they see Jesus, their king of the Jews, stripping down to where he looks like a slave and where he washes their feet. And Peter's like, man, you, ain't, you can't wash my feet. 
And Peter always taking dramatic turns. Jesus is like, well, you can't participate in my kingdom. Well, just wash me all. Like, just bathe me, Jesus. Waterboard me then. Peter, he just doesn't get it. Watch this now, because this is important. This is more about Jesus performing a humiliating act of service than it is just washing feet. Like, I don't think this is a call for every church to do this, part of their uh, worship service every week to have foot washings. Because we're not going to do that. I think I've overstated the obvious, okay? <laughs> I don't like your feet. And so, but watch what's happening, though. What is it? It's a call for the church. It's a call for you and I to humiliate ourselves and serve. Serve who? Serve Peter, who in just a few hours, y'all, Jesus, I don't, I don't know Jesus. And the girl's like, yeah, I saw you with him the other day. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. I mean, they're just getting like this little battle and like he denies Jesus. Think about the person that he's washing. The very feet that he's washing will be the feet that are running away from him. Judas betrays and has him put to death. Did Jesus say to Jesus, Judas? Ah, Judas, I don't know about your feet. I'm just not worried enough. Mm -hmm. So take a note on this church. Who do we serve? That's the question. Who do we serve? There's an incredible thing that Jesus is displaying here. that he is giving us this countercultural way to life and how we experience the fullness of God is that we serve. Sadly, we approach relationships because we approach relationships kind of like we approach investments or the lack thereof, okay? Uh, we approach relationships like what am I going to get in return? on this we approach relationships oftentimes like like we view business deals or like we view a purchase of a home because when I'm going to purchase a home I need to know what's the return of investment after I flip this joker because you know that's the only way I'm going to make money in life okay uh, how, how, what's my return of investment going to be if I invest in this and we view relationships like that but notice the return of investment Jesus got in his relationship. And I think this can be telling for us in how we view relationships. Jesus' return of investment on relationship with Judas. Death. Jesus' return of investment on Peter. Denial. Do you see this, church? We want to invest in people where we can gain something from them. We even view our marriages like that. Well, I'm serving my spouse like she should be doing this for me. Well, I'm serving my spouse. He, shouldn't he be doing this for me? And, and like, this is the way we live our life. What are you going to do for me? And here's Jesus giving us this incredible display of what life relationships should look like. You serve because I'm serving. 
not because what you can get back from me. So there is no like return of investment. If you're serving in some capacity in this church, why would you do it with the idea that you're supposed to gain something back? Your motivations may be off. Here's Jesus serving some people and washing their feet and the very feet that he's washing are running away from him in just a few hours. So how do we do this? Let me get just super practical with this if I can. How do we do this? Well, we serve all. I think that's an overstated thing that's, that's being communicated here. We serve, hear me, the Judases. We serve the Pete's. Like we serve them all. We serve those whom we don't like. We serve those whom will betray us. I ain't telling you to be the BFFs with them. I'm telling you there's a call on us as a church to serve everybody. If they're black, we serve them. If they're white, we serve them. If they're brown, we serve them. If they're white and identify as black, we serve them. I thought that was funnier than rewrite my jokes in the future if they're rich we serve them if they're poor we serve them who do we serve we serve everybody and we go low y'all remember back in the presidential campaign I ain't trying to be politically but calm down a few years ago when uh, I forget who it was but somebody said when they go low we go high y'all remember hearing that who said that Michelle Obama Here's what Jesus is saying to you. When everybody goes high, here's how we reach them. We go low. That's how we do it. Who do we do it to? We serve everybody. Now, I got to go back to this countercultural idea that's presented and how we view relationships, how we view all things is that, is that we are just trying to ascend this ladder. We are trying to make uh, give glory to ourselves. I think there's a tug on the church right now, and it's tugging us in two different ways. There's a, there's a tug on the church. One of the ways is is that culture would want us to be more businesslike in our model, where the pastor serves as a CEO, and like he's got a brand that all of his staff is managing. And, and, and the jet, maybe I ain't that pastor, bro. Um, where it's all about the pastor as a king, where the church is, is uh, operated as a business model, where we have uh, one target group of people, and we'll just uh, invest in that target group of people, and we'll just have all homogenous uh, group of people, all the same type of people in our church. And, and we'll have uh, all of the fancy things. We'll have a slide coming out of the uh, kids' room. The pastor will repel from the ceiling. Uh, I don't know how I'd repel from this ceiling because it's so low. Uh, <laughs> if you can make it work, call me. We'll work it out next week, all right? Uh, where, where we just, we want to put on a big production where we fill our seats. We have filled seats, but our hearts are empty. And there's another tug on, 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 on churches from culture where culture wants the church just to be angry all the time. Can you believe those liberals are doing this to our church? 
where we're always pointing our finger in the face of culture like, shame! Where we want a church where we all agree with each other and let's just hate everybody. And let's just look like we've eaten sour lemons our whole life. And there's a tug on cult, from culture for us as a church to be that, where we're a field church of angry people and our hearts do not serve. I think Christ is giving us this perfect model of what it looks like to be a part of his church and a disciple of him. You want to follow Christ? Serve. Serve everybody. Now, there's this other thing that I just want to encourage us with, if I can, this morning. Refuge, if I can just be a little um, egotistical about you guys for a second, just allow me to do that for a minute, because I don't do that a lot. The brag, that's a better word. When the city of West Point, if they ever need anything, if they ever need people, if they ever need anything, yeah, let me just brag on refuge if I can this morning. You know who they call? They call refuge. Like, that's amazing. I don't, and I, hear me, I'm not trying to boast, or maybe I am. I'm, I'm just proud of it. It's like, that's a huge accomplishment. That's living out what Christ is doing here. And it's pretty phenomenal. So I think we get it. But here's how I would encourage us is that we remain faithful at it. Remain faithful at doing what God has called us to do as a church. Like this year alone, like, man, guys, God has done incredible things through us. City found out about a house that was dilapidated. Hey, we'll call refuge. I bet they'd take it. And we took it and we rehabbed it and we put somebody in it for free. That's remarkable. Anytime they say, hey, can you send some volunteers on it? And you guys go. And I want to encourage us to remain faithful at it because here's where I think I would fall in this category. And the reason why I say this is because sometimes we do tend to look at like results and sometimes results aren't there of us being faithful servants. And we get discouraged and sometimes we just ask ourselves, like, then why do we do this? There aren't any results. People aren't beating down the door to come in, so why do we do it? You do it because you have no motivation other than God has called you to do it. We serve as a church because this is what we do. If you're new with us, we serve as a church because this is in our, infused in our DNA as a church. And we serve and we go low. And we serve, and we serve whomever. That's what Christ has called us to do. And hear me, friends. Find encouragement in that. You may never see a result of serving. Like some of you serving kids, and like, like you think, man, those guys are just a bunch of monsters. You're right. Especially if you're in your toddler room and you got my kid. Like you need like an extra dose of the Holy Ghost to be set up upon you if you're in that classroom. So you may be serving in some way in this church. You're like, why am I, why am I doing this? I don't, I don't feel like getting anything done. I don't even feel like I'm accomplishing anything. 
that's the wrong motivation behind you serving. You serve because this is what God has called us to do. And if we don't see some glorious result in our lifetime, that's okay. Because one day we're going to stand before the Lord. And what does he say for those of us who are called into his name? Well done, thy good and faithful what? Servant. Not well good, well done, and you good professional. You were so successful. Good Lord, I wish I had as many followers as you on Instagram. I can't even get 300. Holy Spirit, I'll blame that on you. I love Donna. Her delayed laugh gets me every time. It was kind of like a train starting. Really. In 1912, there was a medical missionary, Dr. William Leslie, and he, he went to live and minister into a tribe in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and he stayed there for 17 years, and he was so discouraged when he left because he didn't see any results. 1912, for nearly two decades, he's serving in this tribe, doesn't see anything, comes back home. Nine years later, he dies. And he's just discouraged. Like, I served, I gave my life. Like, here's a doctor who committed his life and didn't see anything while he was there. Later in 2010, a, a group of missionaries went to the very same place that Dr. Leslie was at. And you know what they found? They found the spread of churches throughout all of the tribes. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes you don't see it. That doesn't mean God is at work. And it may take a hundred years to see the results of your labor. And FYI, you won't be here in a hundred years. And it may take a hundred years for to see results. That's okay. Because what you're doing, church, is you're stooping and you're getting low. And we got to continue doing that.